0: Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment Wrap-Up for Friday, June 24th, 2022. I have a couple of updates on things that we've talked about before in the past. First comes from the Hacker News. NSO Group has admitted that its Pegasus software has been used by at least five European Union countries. Now, this is a result of an inquiry that was launched in April 2022 to investigate alleged breaches of European Union law following revelations that Pegasus spyware is being used to snoop on phones belonging to politicians, diplomats, and civil society members. If you're not familiar with Pegasus, it is a stealthy piece of software that is installed on smartphones leveraging zero days so that it can harvest that sort of confidential information. And then coming to us from HelpNet Security, attackers are still exploiting Log4Shell. Of course, Log4Shell first came about six months ago. But according to uh, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, they state, quote, from the article, if your organization is running VMware Horizon and Unified Access Gateway servers and you have not implemented the patches or workarounds, that have been around for six months, to fix, mitigate the log for shell vulnerability, you should treat all of those systems as being compromised. Now, when you have a solution to a problem that's been around for a while, it's very difficult to find reasons that are acceptable in my mind as to why they have not been implemented unless you have sufficient compensating controls in place to mitigate the risk but the idea here is that that isn't the case now cisa does advise to treat your servers as being compromised and so before cleaning the servers and putting them back online with the patches don't just go through and patch them they advise collecting and reviewing relevant logs, data, and artifacts, and engaging incident responders to make sure that the actor is eradicated from the network and avoid residual issues that could en- enable follow-on exploitation. Excuse me. Coming to us from the what is old is new again, attackers are using a very common methodology to try to steal Microsoft credentials, this coming from the threat post, they are sending emails with voicemail messages attached. And if you click on that, then your machine is compromised. This is not a new threat, not a new attack. But according to the article, the threat actors are going this way simply because, quote, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So in other words, it's working. Why not go ahead and continue to do so? Now, the article does give a few recommendations on how to address this particular threat. And they're the same type of things that we hear all of the time. There are four, and I'll read them right now. Users should not open attachments and emails sent from untrusted or unknown sources. Users should verify the URL in the address bar. Employees should be trained on how to spot and report phishing attacks and multi-factor authentication should be enabled. You'll note that three of those four are human behavioral items, and one is a technical control. Now, there's quite a debate, it seems, in the InfoSec community about the efficacy of training and the overabundance, over willingness to point fingers at users who click on things that really there should be a technology solution. And I agree with that to a point. I think that we need to understand always that the best defense is a layered defense. We can do better in awareness and technical controls. We don't want to rely upon one and not the other. And we don't want to rely upon just one in that group. In other words, just one technical control. Although in this case multi-factor authentication can be quite effective. From ITSecurityGuru.com, Israeli security company Checkpoint said in a report that they found a threat cluster tied to the hacking group Tropic Trooper, which has been spotted using a previously undocumented malware coded in NIM language. Now, the TLDR of this rather short article is that It's taking advantage of a software package called an SMS Bomber. Now, if you're not familiar with that term, it's a technique which, according to the article, as the name mentions, renders a phone number unusable by a barrage of of denial-of-service attacks. It would seem to me that folks that are wanting to use this software are already at a point that they're in nefarious land, if you will. I can't think of, off the top of my head, a good reason for trying to promote a DDoS attack on phones, and perhaps that's what this particular group is counting on. But those who install this SMS bomber are also then loading up malware and this is from chinese hackers so rather interesting there that chinese hackers perhaps are going after other hackers interesting to see how that plays out and then finally from BizTech, what is a vcso and how can a financial firm benefit the article does a decent job of breaking out at a high level what a virtual cso does And what some of the benefits are. It notes that an obvious benefit is related to cost, and that a lot of times financial institutions and other SMBs will look at virtual CISOs in order to stem costs. They note that CISOs are, quote, experienced security professionals who command significant salaries and benefits given their roles and responsibilities. As far as the specifics, three items that Virtual CISOs can benefit financial institutions. We have the cost. They note in this article that a typical full-time CISO total cash compensation is now between $208,000 and $337,000 per year. That number will likely vary depending upon your source, but that's in line with what we see at salary.com. In other words, in some ways, I like to say that we've priced ourselves out of the market and that's why a virtual CISO makes sense as an experienced version of the type that would actually commend that salary. Compliance is another one. Obviously, there's a lot in the compliance space with regards to financial institutions because of the need for separation of duties. Examiners and regulators and auditors have really been cracking down on the idea of the information security function falling underneath IT because you have the potential for conflict of interest there. And then third confidence. And this gets back to the experience of the virtual CISO, one that has actually seen these sorts of issues before, has experience talking with high level C-suite committees and board of directors that you have a certain level of confidence that you have someone with all that experience coming in and rendering their opinion. Now, I'll have a few more comments about the virtual CISO field and a little bit of an announcement in 30 seconds. There continues to be much discussion and debate about what is required, what is necessary to be a virtual CISO. And I think that that's a indication of how the field has evolved over the last five years. And I think it's certainly true to say that maybe five or six years ago, a virtual CISO was strictly just a former CISO that had gone into consulting. As time has gone on, that definition has expanded for both good and bad. Now, a virtual CISO could be an IT security advisor, a risk advisor, or an executive advisor or some combination thereof. And it's important that when a small and mid-sized business is contracting with a virtual CISO, that they understand the type of virtual CISO that they're actually engaging with. Now this article tends to focus upon the traditional one, the one where you're you're engaging with someone who has been a CISO before, presumably in the financial services industry, and are therefore commanding greater rates, greater salaries, those sorts of things, you wouldn't want to have, in that case, a non-experienced IT manager-director-type virtual CISO in that sort of space. It would be very hard to get into the risk assessment in the compliance area without having lived that and understood that and have really good experience to then provide for the clients. Because when you're a consultant, really the consultant's paying for your experience in addition to your skill set. Now this is very important to vet your virtual CISO as you're going through the process of looking at a virtual CISO. And there's going to be a large difference in Funding. You do get what you pay for as far as costs go. And what I hate to see is where a firm lowballs a cost, but then they are left with a virtual CISO that doesn't do what they hoped would do, or even worse, makes the situation worse because they're in essence using the client as a learn as you go type of engagement. Now, this is still evolving in the virtual CISO field, and I'm very much a proponent to continue with that. I don't think that you necessarily have to have been a CISO beforehand to be a completely effective virtual CISO. I do think you need to be upfront about it, about the fact that you have not done this before specifically. Now, if you have been an apprenticed virtual CISO, for example, you entered into that field, you worked underneath somebody, and you kind of learned... Well, sure. At that point in time, you can gain that experience to be a virtual CISO without having been a CISO in the full-time arena beforehand. I think that that's completely a reasonable method to get to the point of having the experience of what the client is paying for and what they're expecting. Now, my little announcement is that I'll have a lot more to talk about this at the CU Intersect Conference in Houston next month. I'll be speaking on this. We'll also have our booth there, so be giving out a Copy, a free copy of our book, Information Security for Small and Midsize Businesses. And if you're going to be at that conference, please stop by the table. I'd be happy to meet you. Hopefully, you'll be able to make our presentation. And for listeners and viewers of this podcast, the plan is to record that presentation. And that will be one of the weekly episodes coming up, probably the end of July or the beginning of August. So, Hopefully we don't have any technical problems. We'll get that out. Looking forward to sharing that with you. And until next time, stay secure.